0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. Turn to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. And you can remain seated. We're going to read just a few verses from Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But let's let's look beginning at verse number 16. Now, Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk is praying to the Lord and he's he's recounting all of the the many ills and woes of of Israel at that time of, of God's kingdom and and here at the end of the chapter he's he's summarizing And look at verse 16, and we'll begin reading there. He states When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail. And the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. So here here he's talking about the desolation of of his nation. In verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would instruct us, that you would strengthen us, that you would encourage us and lift us. And Father, I pray that you would bless us. Even though we're unworthy, even though we're undeserving, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, your children that we might praise and worship you. Thank you for all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite hymns is, Oh, Rejoice in the Lord. The the first verse goes this way. God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Tonight, all around us, in this country, in this city, in this world, God's people are hurting. There are some who have lost their jobs, and certainly I can relate to that. Some that have lost their jobs and they're not sure how they will be able to pay their bills or take care of their family. Some tonight around us have failing health. They are worried and perhaps even afraid of the days and weeks and months ahead. Still others tonight have crises in their family. They have sick loved ones. Broken or failing marriages, anguish and despair. Pastor has, his mother suffers from Alzheimer's. His sister is battling colon cancer. And there are others. My mother is battling dementia. And my father is, is, is battling heart disease. And, and I'm sure some of you also have, you have sick loved ones. You have, you have failing. Brian's father, a dear man, passed just recently. And, and, and we've had several of our elder church members in our church go to be with the Lord. Times such as these serve to rob us of our zeal for God. They sap us of our strength and our resolve. They rob from us the joy that we can have. Yet our Savior promised us peace. Even in the face of these great trials, he promised us a peace that goes beyond human understanding. A peace that cannot be taken away from us. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus states, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the knowledge of this will allow us to live with joy in his presence. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me. Let's turn to First Peter together. Go to the, epistle of, the first epistle of Peter. And we're going to begin at chapter 1 and at verse 1. We read here, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. There we see that peace. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And here we see Peter explains to us the great hope, the great peace, the great joy that we have been given by God the Father, and that dwells within us, and, and, and enables us to live our lives in the face of trials, in the face of, of, of troubles, and, 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 and under great stress, under great sorrow, we look and we live with joy, and with hope. So tonight, we can rejoice. But you might say, well I'm out of work. Well then let me just say, Oh, rejoice in the Lord, for he makes no mistakes. He knows the end of each path that you take. And when you are tried and purified, you shall come forth as gold. You might say, well, I'm facing, I'm facing severe financial problems tonight. I I don't know what I'm going to do. Then rejoice in the Lord, for he makes no mistakes. He knows the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. You may say tonight, I'm sick and I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to care for my family. Then rejoice in the Lord, for he makes no mistakes. He knoweth at the end of each path that I take, and when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. You might say, I'm going through family problems tonight. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen to my home. I don't know what's going to happen to my children. They're disappointing me. They're hurting me. They're breaking my heart. Then let me say rejoice in the Lord. For he makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried and purified. I shall come forth as gold. Just remember this. Behind every dark cloud there's a silver lining. Just rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. In Psalm chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, we read, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness, for his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, unless the Lord comes, no matter what we face tonight, the sun will rise tomorrow morning. And we need not fear. The psalmist wrote, weeping endureth for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We worry about far too many things. Most of which will never even happen. Now what should we do when worry or fear creeps into our life? Well, there are basically two steps to this. First, can you do anything about it? You know, when you have a problem, when something comes into your life, can you do anything about it? Is there anything you can do to change it? If yes, then do what you can. If no, then don't worry about it. Give it to the Lord and trust in him. Remember the admonition of Jesus. Let's, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 together. Matthew chapter 6. And go to verse 27. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit under his stature? Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He will provide for you. Now, this brings me to the crux of my message tonight. Have you ever noticed how often we focus on the glass being half empty instead of realizing that the glass is half full? This is one of the, this is one of the downfalls of, of man. We don't see the glass as half full, we see it as half empty. And that's because we desire to have all that we want to have. Now tonight I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to remind you of some of the things that we have to rejoice in tonight. And I want to admonish us to put away sorrow, to put away fear, to put away anxiety, and to focus on the glass being half full. So tonight, as I... As I Give you, share with you five thoughts. I'll be as brief as I can. I'd like to share these things with you. Number one, we, tonight we should rejoice in God's election. Rejoice in God's election. We read a few moments ago in First Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the dist- stranger scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, I'm not going to attempt to launch off tonight into a sermon on election. Uh, all of us here understand and I believe we embrace the doctrine of the election of the saints so we don't need to, we don't need to lay a lot of foundation work for this. But my point tonight is, how often do we forget? How often do we as God's children forget about the fact that we are the elect children of God? In the midst of trials and troubles, do you ever seem to just forget this great truth? Am I the only one here that has that problem? Huh? In the midst of a bunch of turmoil and things that are going on, Sometimes I have to stop and say, wait wait a minute here. You are a child of God. I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to fear and fret over this. Do you ever seem to forget about this great truth? Well, if you say no, then you are of greater faith than the disciples. Because they faced this, this problem. And they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And they touched him with their own hands. In Luke chapter 10... Verses 17 through 20, we read, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You see, the disciples were rejoicing in what they were able to do. But Jesus reminded them to rejoice in what they were. They were the elect children of the Lord. And in this, we should rejoice. Not, not, not at what we're able to do. They were, all, they were all worked up and all excited. Man, you know, we, we told the devils, get out of here, and they left. Man, we, we, were, we were having a good old time out there. And they were just so happy because they had this power. They were, so, they were rejoicing because all of this was, they were able to do all these things. Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in this. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. What do you rejoice in tonight? You see, if our joy comes from temporal things, things that are here today and are gone tomorrow, things like jobs, health, wealth, peace, if if our joy is, is founded, if our rejoicing is founded in these things, then we won't have joy very long, will we? because these things fade away and our joy will be temporal and our joy will go away just as they will go away but if our joy and this is what Jesus was trying to teach them if our joy is in the fact that we are the elect saints of God then our joy will never go away because we will always be the elect saints of God So tonight, despite what is happening around us, regardless of what problems we face, despite the heartaches and the heartbreaks of life that we face, rejoice in God's election. I don't understand it. I'm not going to stand up here tonight and try to make you believe I have it all figured out. I don't understand why God chose me. I wouldn't choose someone like me. So I don't know why God elected me into salvation. I don't know why he he chose me, but he did. And I tell you what, I'm going to rejoice in that. And so should you. Amen. You should you should be so so filled with joy tonight over the fact that you have been. You are one of God's elect saints. That should fill our life with joy and and nothing. No trouble can take that joy from us. No matter how bad it gets, if if I'm lying on my deathbed, I, I have the joy of knowing that I am the elect child of God. So first tonight, we rejoice in God's election. But then secondly, we should rejoice in God's salvation. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, we read, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you've become so engrossed in what's happening around you that you totally forget that you are even saved? I know this kind of dovetails on what I was talking about election, but have you ever gotten to that point where you just kind of forget you're saved? Where life becomes so, so busy and and you just get so engrossed and so occupied and in your own self and your own troubles and your own problems that you just kind of tend to forget about that? I have, even if perhaps for just a moment. I've stopped and asked myself, wait a minute, I am God's child, I'm going to heaven, what does this matter? In Psalm 73, we read from the first three verses, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Again in Psalm 73, we read, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Again in Psalm 73, verses 22 through 26, we read, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, when you have the realization that heaven is your eternal home, and when you realize that nothing can take this from you, suddenly all of life's problems will fade in comparison. In Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, Paul writes, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about this for a moment. When was the last time you knelt before God and sincerely and genuinely thanked him for your salvation? We, we so glibly say, Lord, thank you for saving me. As if, we're, as if it's an obligatory act for us to just, just say, thank you, God. You know, you know, in America, we say thank you so easily. But we don't always really mean it, do we? You know, sometimes people say thank you just out of courtesy. They don't really appreciate what you're doing. They don't really appreciate what you've done. They just say, oh, oh by the way, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank. It's real easy to say thank you, isn't it? Just two little words, and they're easy to say. And you don't really have to have any, 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 any reality in it. You don't really have to be thank you to say thank you, do you? Have you ever told someone thank you when you weren't thankful at all? Huh? Sure you have. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Here you go again. Oh, thank you. Huh. But do we really? When was the last time? Honestly, when was the last time you really broke down in your heart and wept and, and, and were humbled and came before God in humility? And said, Father, thank you for saving me. You realize what he saved you from? And, and, and shouldn't that give you great joy as a, as a Christian? That God has saved you? Oh, we, we throw him a bone every now and then. But to earnestly express our thanks for the great gift of eternal life. This is something that is so seldom truly done. I submit to you that our love and appreciation is far better shown by our actions than by our words. You know, when I was growing up, sometimes I would do something wrong. I know that's hard to believe. I know that's hard to believe. that You'd, know, you'd say, "Brother, you lie, Brother Dalton. You never... No, sometimes I did wrong things. And, and, you know, to try to get out of trouble, I'd go to dad and I'd say, well, dad, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to. And he'd stop me. He'd say, stop right there. He'd say, don't tell me what you're going to do. Go show me what you've done. You understand what he was telling me there? Don't you? Words are empty. You can, you can say thank you. You can say I'm sorry. You can say I'll do better. Don't, don't talk to me about what you're going to do. Go and do it and show me what you've done. And that, Christian, is the way we show our love and we show our thanks to God by living our life to his glory and to his, his honor. And that's what we must do. So tonight we should rejoice in, in the Lord, rejoice in God's election, rejoice in God's salvation. But thirdly, we should rejoice in God's blessings. In Joel chapter 2, we read from the 23rd through the 26th verse, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten." Uh, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm my great army which I send among you and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed now I love this passage of scripture because it so clearly states God's blessings upon his children even though we do not deserve even one of them God has showered us With his blessings. Just stop for a moment and think of how much we are blessed tonight. I think of that that hymn we sing often. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, we read, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We have become in America such a thankless people. We have become so consumed with our next acquisition that we forget about all that we have already received. It's like the old saying, you can't see the forest. For the trees. Before you get to feeling too sorry for yourself, sit down and make two lists. One of all the blessings in your life, and the other of all your problems that and trials that you face. I I challenged my, my high school class to do this once. I told them, Go home, this was on a Friday, I said, Go home and make two lists. On one list, I want you to list all of the problems, everything that you, you deem a problem or a trial or a sorrow in your life. And on the other other side of the page, I want you to list, honestly list everything that God has done for you. And bring those lists back to class on Monday and let's look at them. And every one of them brought their list back. And the blessing side was two or three times the length of the of the negative side. And unless you cheat, I guarantee you the blessing column will be much larger than the problems column. And if it isn't, then you better you better check your heart because the problem isn't the Lord. God blesses his children and we need to learn to rejoice in the blessings that we have. And you know what? If God gives us nothing other than salvation. Then there's nothing we can put on the other side of the sheet to counterbalance that one gift, that one blessing. We are so richly blessed. Rejoice in God's election. Rejoice in God's salvation. Rejoice in God's blessing. Then number four, rejoice in God's providence. Psalm 28, verses 6 and 7, we read, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and my song And with my song will I praise him. I could preach an entire series of lessons on any of these points that I've mentioned tonight. That being said, I I only want to emphasize one thing concerning God's providence. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What greater comfort can anyone hope to have than to know that the Creator God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. God's providence, his, his unyielding care for you and I. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35-35, Verse 35, we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And then in verses 38 through 39, he writes, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What greater greater joy can we have than to know that no matter what we face in life, Jesus is right there with us. Some of the darkest moments in my life, some of the darkest times that I faced, I felt the care and the love and the presence of the Father in my life. I, I don't want to lift myself up as an example and I, and I don't want to embarrass my son but when he was born, I've told you the story before he had a very serious heart defect we didn't know if he was going to live and in that in that hospital there was a small chapel room and I went into that chapel room and and I was so heartbroken. I went into that chapel room and I knelt there that little, that little, on that little stool they had. And they had a Bible there. And I turned the Bible to this very passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And I, I, I wept and I, and I called upon the Lord there. And, and I knew that no matter what happened, no matter what I would go through, no matter what the result would be, I knew... That the Lord was with me. And that I would not have to face that alone. I thought about. When I, I got the phone call at work. About Liz. Tom and Pauline. And she'd been in a terrible accident. And was near death. And, and I thought about this, this verse. That God is always with us. And he sorrows. And, and he, 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 he troubles with us. As we're going through these difficult times in life. He is touched by our grief. And he loves us. And He has compassion upon us. Now, now, doesn't that bring you? Doesn't that bring you joy? Doesn't that give you? Uh, doesn't that lift your heart to know that somebody cares about you? I walked in this morning, and after choir practice, I walked down, and Zella was sitting right over there. Zella, who's almost a hundred years old, sitting right over there, and I walked over there, and she grasped my hand real tight, and she said. I've been praying for you. And I said, you know, Zella, I can feel it. I know she's been praying for me. It's such a comfort. When you're, when you're, when you're hurting, when you're sorrowing, we, we don't want to be alone, do we? We want, we want someone there to comfort us. And that's what God does for us. His providence for us is so loving and so, so warm. And we should rejoice in this. Because the unsaved world doesn't know this feeling. They don't know what it's like to feel the presence of God in their life in times of trouble. They have no hope. They have nothing but grief and sorrow. But we have the providence of God and we should rejoice in this. We can face our problems with the knowledge that God will be with us. And we know that God will always provide for us as he promised Psalm 37, we read the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Do you need something to bring you joy tonight? Do you need something to rejoice in? Then rejoice in God's election for it's sure. Rejoice in God's salvation for it's eternal. Rejoice in God's blessings. Rejoice in God's providence. And then, fifthly tonight, let me say this. Rejoice in God's victory. In John chapter 16, we read, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, Every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you, have, you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It was a quiet morning in the streets of Jerusalem. Everyone has gathered into the courtyard of Pilate, the Roman governor in Judea. A man. A prophet, they say, stood before him. He has heard the accusations against this man. And he has concluded that for jealousy's sake, this man hath been brought before him. He finds no fault in him. He finds no reason for judgment in this man. However, he desires to appease the mob and quell an uprising. Therefore, he delivers them over to them to be crucified. Jesus has marched along the streets of Jerusalem unto a hillside outside the city. There he is brutally murdered. He is dead, and he is then entombed. All the minions of hell and the devil himself is ecstatic with joy. They have succeeded in killing the Son of God. Or have they? Well, in Luke chapter 24, we read, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and and bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. But is risen. Remember how he spake unto you. When he was yet in Galilee. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. And you and I have nothing to fear tonight. We do not need to succumb to worry or despair. Why? Because Romans 8.37 tells us, Nay, in all these we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have victory tonight. We have victory over death. We have victory over the tomb. We have been given victory over sin and temptation. We have victory in every aspect of our lives tonight because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this we can rejoice. We can rejoice in the Lord tonight because God has won the victory over sin and death. They have no power over me. I am not trusting in my ability to overcome tonight. I'm trusting in God's ability to overcome. I'm trusting in God's victory. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm nothing tonight. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Probably the least worthy individual you'll ever meet to stand in a pulpit like this and to preach is me. I don't deserve one of the blessings that God has ever given me. I'm not worthy of anything. But I can rejoice tonight. No matter what troubles I face. No matter what trials I endure. I can rejoice. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. For he makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. I don't know what what awaits me down the road tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. I don't know. It could be great great blessing. It could be great victory. I could face illness. I could face disease. A loved one could die. Financial ruin could fall upon me. I don't know. But I do know this. That I can rejoice in the Lord. For he makes no mistakes. Whatever I have to face, whatever, whatever comes my way, I know he makes no mistakes. Everything that God allows me to face is for my own admonition and for his glory. So why do we as Christians fail to rejoice in the Lord? Why do we go through life defeated, overcome by our problems, overcome by disappointment? Why do we go through life griping, And complaining. And feeling like we're not getting everything we're entitled to. Why do we go through life bickering. And fighting. And slandering each other. Why do we go through life satisfying the senses. Satisfying the flesh. Why are we not rejoicing. In the Lord. Everybody say it with me. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, for he makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's testimony to us? Do you believe his report to us? That we can... That He's left us with a joy, that He's left us with a peace that never goes away, that never fades away, then live in that joy. Live in that peace. Live your life to the glory of your Creator. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you tonight, some of us with heavy hearts. And Lord, we, we face trials daily, we, we face sorrows, and we we face all these things and, and our, our flesh tells us to become discouraged and our flesh wants us to, to forsake you and our flesh wants us to curse you and, 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 to, and to, to, to turn our backs on you. But yet your word tells us that you've given us peace. You've given us a joy that is beyond understanding because it, it dwells in our hearts in the person of Christ. Help us, Father, tonight. Give us that great joy. Help us to rejoice in you. And, Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all these things. For it's in Jesus' name that we live, and it's for in Jesus' name that we we come here tonight, and we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church,